Ah, yes, it's another edition of MLB Morning Coffee from the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. Thanks for coming along for the ride on a Thursday morning. This is Greg Mraz, the host of this program, and I thank you for tuning in. Make sure that you write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe, and go back and listen to some of our past shows. I want to give a shout-out to everybody that listened yesterday, whether it was to yesterday's Whip Around episode or to any prior episode in general. Yesterday was the highest download count that we've had in the history of the podcast, at least on a single day. We had 240 downloads. That eclipses our previous high by 30. So thank you to everybody that listened either to yesterday's episode or any episode in the past. The opening segment today is about the rumor that was floated today, and I think John Heyman had it first, about MLB effectively deciding that the playoffs are going to be played in two hub cities, or effectively two bubbles like the NHL has with Edmonton and Toronto. Which, when you think about it, is probably the right thing to do, considering you've had two outbreaks already with the Marlins and the Cardinals from actually traveling. You know, both of these outbreaks happened on the road. So if you're keeping teams in one location, that more than likely is going to keep them safer. Now, in a normal scenario where you had fans, you're probably like, why would you want to have a neutral site playoffs or a neutral site World Series? And this is something that was floated way back in May about having a neutral site World Series. And I was totally against that. But now that I think about it, based upon how the NBA and the NHL have had success with their bubbles, the NHL has not had a single positive test since the qualifying tournament began. They're on to the first round of the playoffs. The NBA has had minimal positive tests inside the bubble. It's working. The bubble format is working. It is not sustainable long term, but you can get through the season. The NBA and the NHL are going to see their seasons through to completion, which, by the way, I wasn't sure about the NBA because they're playing in the dumpster fire of COVID, also known as Florida. But the campus at Disney World is secure, and they've done an exceptional job keeping that campus isolated from everybody that is involved with the NBA. Now, some people are going to be like, well, even though there are no fans, you're taking away home field advantage. In my opinion, who gives a flying crap? Home field advantage is less important than completing the season. So if you're traveling less or not traveling at all, that is going to be a more likely scenario for you to finish the season. Because think about your typical seven-game playoff series. You're traveling at least twice if the series goes seven games. Or heck, even in a five-game series, you travel twice. That's just the way that things are. So I don't think that you can have a playoffs that operate with that much travel. Now, when does MLB pull the trigger on this? If you're getting to the beginning of September and you're getting less than a month away from the playoffs, and think about it, today is August 13th. The trade deadline is in less than three weeks, and the end of the season is in less than two months. Think about that. The end of the season is less than two months away, and it feels like we just started because, well, we did. I am very confident at this point that baseball is going to plow through to try and finish the season. But if you want to get to the playoffs and finish the playoffs, you need to put these players in bubbles. You just have to do it. 
It's shown to work in the NBA and the NHL. You want your season completed. You want your full playoff revenue. This is what you have to do. And I guarantee you that for the month or so that the playoffs are going on, teams will agree to do this. In my opinion, it's the only way you guarantee that the playoffs are finished. On that note, let's move on to the recaps. We'll start with our day game, which was the White Sox at the Tigers. And the White Sox offense showed up once again at Comerica Park. Tim a drive to left field. He waited him out and bring him home. one nothing Sox. Tim Anderson, a long, fruitful first at bat. Eloy Jimenez rocks this ball to right field, and it is gone. Back-to-back in the first inning. A five-run top of the fourth inning turns a 5-3 Tigers lead into a 7-5 White Sox lead. Chicago holds on to win by that score. White Sox are back over 500 at 10-9. Tigers fall to 9-7. Dylan Cease gets the win. He is 3-1. He allows one earned run, five total runs on seven hits over six innings, no walks and five strikeouts. Matthew Boyd takes the loss for Detroit. He is 0-2. Seven runs on seven hits over four and two-thirds innings, three walks and five strikeouts. Alex Colomay picks up the save, his fifth. He pitches a perfect ninth inning with one strikeout. White Sox got on the board with two runs in the top of the first inning thanks to solo homers from Tim Anderson, his second, and Eloy Jimenez, his fifth. Tigers cut it to 2-1 in the bottom of the first inning on Jonathan Scope's fourth homer of the year. In the top of the third inning, White Sox extended the lead thanks to an RBI ground out from Jose Abreu, but the Tigers scored four in the bottom of the fourth thanks to a Grayson Griner two-RBI double and a Willie Castro two-run homer, Castro's first of the year, 5-3 Detroit at that point. White Sox take the lead, bases loaded, top of the fifth with nobody out. Luis Robert doubles home all three runs, and then Nomar Mazzara doubles home Robert, 7-5 White Sox at that time. Ten hits in the ballgame for Chicago. Tim Anderson had four of them. He goes four for five with three runs scored in an RBI. James McCann two for three with two walks. Luis Robert one for five, but he has three RBI. Eloy Jimenez two for five with an RBI and a run scored. For Detroit, Willie Castro three for four with two RBI and a run scored. Jonathan Scope two for four with an RBI and a run scored. Next stop, another day game, Arizona and Colorado, and this one was a slugfest at Coors Field. Second time through the order, see if he starts to incorporate some of those other pitches. Starling hits one deep and gone. Say goodbye, Starling Marte. That's his second, and it's 2-1 Diamondbacks. Arizona breaks a 5-5 tie with an eight-run top of the seventh inning. Diamondbacks outslug the Rockies 13-7. Arizona is 8-11. Colorado falls to 12 and 6. The winner out of the bullpen for Arizona is Andrew Chafin. He is 1 and 1. He goes a scoreless inning of work, one hit, two strikeouts. For Colorado, the loser, Tyler Kinley, he does not record an out as he allows five runs on four hits, one walk, and no strikeouts. He came on in relief of Antonio Senzatella, who went six innings of five run baseball, nine hits, no walks, and four strikeouts. There was no save in the ball game. This was quite an interesting game, to say the least. Diamondbacks with a run on the top of the first inning on a Starling Marte ground out. Then Nolan Arenado ties the game at one with his fifth homer of the year in the bottom of the second. Arizona retakes the lead in the top of the fourth on a Starling Marte homer, his second of the year. And then Colorado retakes the lead at 4-2 on a three-run homer from Ryan McMahon, his second. 
Top five, Arizona grabs the lead back thanks to RBI singles from Nick Ahmed, Cattell Marte, and Starling Marte. But Nolan Arenado hits his second homer of the game, his sixth of the year, to tie the game at five in the bottom of the fifth inning. Then the gates blew open in the top of the seventh. Starling Marte with an RBI single, then David Peralta with a three-RBI double, Eduardo Escobar an RBI single, Jake Lamb reached on a fielding error that scored Eduardo Escobar, Nick Ahmed with an RBI double, and Cole Calhoun with an RBI single. All part of an eight-run seventh inning, Diamondbacks win 13-7. For Arizona, the top five in their lineup each had at least two hits. Cole Calhoun, three for six with two runs scored in an RBI. Cattell Marte, two for four with two runs scored, an RBI and a walk. Starling Marte, three for five with four RBI and two runs scored. David Peralta, two for five with three RBI and a run scored. Christian Walker goes three for five. And don't forget at the bottom of the lineup, Nick Ahmed, three for four with two RBI and three runs scored. For Colorado, Garrett Hampson goes four for six with a run scored. Trevor Story, three for six with an RBI and a run scored. Nolan Arenado, three for five with three RBI, two home runs, and two runs scored. Ramel Tapia, two for three with two walks and a run scored. Ryan McMahon, two for five with a three-run homer and a run scored. Our next stop is Angel Stadium in Anaheim, where the A's were looking to avoid getting swept against the Angels, and Oakland's offense came up big late in the game. 3-2, swing and a pop-up to center. It's going to carry. Back on it is Laureano. Checks the wall. Jumps at the wall, and he brought it back. Laureano saves it yet again. It seemed off the bat that Goodwin didn't get it that well, but today... The ball with the crazy carry. Ramon stays with it, scales the wall. A's take the lead early and extend it late to hold on to beat the Angels 8-4. A's are 13-6. Angels are 7-12. Winning pitcher Chris Bassett, he is 2-0. Bassett goes five and two-thirds innings, allows four runs on five hits, no walks and four strikeouts. Griffin Canning allows four runs on six hits over four innings, no walks, two strikeouts, and three homers allowed. Canning, the Angels starter, is 0-3. A's got on the board in the top of the first inning thanks to a Matt Olson homer, his sixth. Angels tie it in the bottom of the first inning on Mike Trout's eighth homer, 1-1 the score. A's make it 3-1 top of the second inning thanks to Robbie Grossman's three-run homer, two-run homer I should say, his third homer of the year. Angels tie it bottom third thanks to a Tommy LaStella single and a Mike Trout sacrifice fly. Top four, A's retake the lead on a Steven Piscotty solo homer and then extend the lead in the top of the fifth inning on a Matt Chapman RBI double. Angels cut it to one bottom six on Anthony Rendon's fourth homer of the year, but then in the top of the eighth inning, the A's score three, a bases-loaded walk by Marcus Simeon, and a two-RBI single from Ramon Laureano. A's had nine hits in the ball game. Highlight offensively was Matt Chapman as he goes two for five with an RBI. Robbie Grossman one for three with two RBI, two runs scored, and two walks. Everybody in the A's starting lineup, with the exception of Tony Kemp, had at least one hit. For the Angels, they had just five hits in the ball game. The top fourth of their order, top four of their order, I should say, each had one hit. Five through eight went hitless, and then Brian Goodwin, the nine-place hitter went one for three. Next stop is Cleveland, where the Chicago Cubs, well, they just continue to win and win and win. Bryant, high and deep, left center, gone, a home run. Five to one. Cubs went up 4-0 in the top of the fifth inning, and they never looked back. They beat the Indians 7-2 at Progressive Field. Cubs are 12-3, Indians are 10-9. 
Kyle Hendricks gets the win. He is 3-1. Hendricks allows one run on seven hits in six innings, no walks and five strikeouts. Carlos Carrasco takes the loss. He is 2-2. Two two. He allows three runs on four hits over four and a third. He walks five, strikes out seven. Cubs score first in the top of the third inning thanks to a solo homer from Anthony Rizzo, his fourth of the year. Top five, Cubs score three, as we said. Jason Hayward with a sacrifice fly, and then David Bodie comes up with a two-RBI single. Indians got their first run bottom five on a Jose Ramirez sack fly, but the Cubs got that run back in the top of the sixth inning on a Chris Bryant solo homer, his second of the year. Bottom seven, Francisco Lindor with an RBI single, but Jason Kipnis in his return to Cleveland Got the Cubs a 6-2 lead with a ground rule RBI double in the top of the eighth inning. Jason Hayward followed with an RBI double in the top of the ninth. Cubs had eight hits in the ballgame, as did the Tribe. Anthony Rizzo, two for four with an RBI and two runs scored. Bottom four in the lineup each had one hit, and they accounted for five of the Cubs' seven RBI. Hayward with two RBI, Bodie with two RBI, Kipnis with one RBI. Franmil Reyes goes three for four for Cleveland. He was the only Indian that had multiple hits in the game. The Toronto Blue Jays normally don't play in Buffalo. The NFL team there is the Bills, but based on the score between the Marlins and the Blue Jays, you may have well thought that there was a football game going on. And Sierra, right center field, going to fall. Birdie rounding third. He will score on the heels of Alvarez. A two-RBI single for Sierra and the Marlins back in front, 13-11. Now there is just no quit in this Marlins group. This game was bonkers. Marlins scored three runs in the top of the 10th inning to beat Toronto 14-11. Brandon Kinsler gets the win out of the pen for Miami. He is 1-0, an inning and a third of scoreless work. Rafael Dolis takes the loss. He is 0-1. He allows three runs, two earned on three hits in two-thirds of an inning, one walk and no strikeouts. Josh Smith picks up the save, his first, as he goes a scoreless 10th inning with two strikeouts. This was a back-and-forth game. Toronto was consistent throughout. Marlins scored three runs in the first and five runs in the third as they had an 8-0 lead going into the bottom of the third. But the Blue Jays scored two in the third, two in the fourth, two in the fifth, two in the sixth, one in the seventh, and two in the eighth. The two in the eighth inning tied the game at 11 because Miami had three in the top of the fifth inning. So the Marlins end up giving up runs in six straight innings. The two runs that the Blue Jays scored in the bottom of the eighth inning came on solo homers from Bo Bichette, his fourth, and Travis Shaw, his second. In the top of the tenth inning, Magnery Sierra had a two-RBI single, and Jesus Aguilar singled home Sierra to make it 14-11. to Marlins had 14 hits in the game. Blue Jays had 18. Let's look at some of the box scores. Jonathan VR from Miami, 2-for-4 with an RBI and a walk. Jesus Aguilar, 3-for-6 with 4 RBI. Corey Dickerson, 1-for-5 with 2 runs scored. Matt Joyce, 2-for-4 with 2 runs scored. Brian Anderson, 1-for-6 with 3 RBI. John Birdie goes 2-for-5 with 2 runs scored. Eddie Alvarez, 1-for-4 with 3 runs scored. Magnery Sierra, 1-for-5 with 2 runs scored and 2 RBI. For Toronto... Bo Bichette, 5-for-5 five five with three runs scored, an RBI and a walk. Travis Shaw, 2-for-5 with three RBI and two runs scored. Teoscar Hernandez, 1-for-6 with two RBI. Randall Gritchick, 2-for-4 with a run scored. Rowdy Telez, 3-for-5 with two RBI and two runs scored. Danny Jansen, 2-for-5 with two RBI and a run scored. 
Homers in the game. Just one for Miami. It was Brian Anderson, a three-run homer in the first inning, his fourth. Here are the homers for the Blue Jays. Get ready. There were a lot. Teoscar Hernandez hit his fifth in the bottom of the third. Roddy Telez hit his second in the bottom of the fourth. Travis Shaw, his first in the bottom of the fifth. Danny Jansen, his second in the bottom of the sixth. Vlad Guerrero Jr., his second in the bottom of the seventh. Bo Bichette and Travis Shaw hit their fourth and second in the bottom of the eighth inning. So the Blue Jays had seven homers in the ballgame and still lost. It is very rare, at least the way that I see it, that you hit seven homers in a game, including two from Travis Shaw, and you still lose. Marlins are 8-4, and four, Blue Jays are 6-9. and nine. Next stop is the Great American Ballpark for the Kansas City Royals and the Cincinnati Reds. And the sliders hit on the ground. Franco, they're going to try and turn it, and it is in time to end the game. Royals score single runs in five of the first six innings, and they hold off a Reds rally in the bottom of the seventh to edge Cincinnati 5-4. Kansas City is 8-11, Reds are 8-10. Brad Keller picks up the win. He is 2-0. Keller goes six shutout innings, allows just two hits, three walks, and three strikeouts. Wade Miley takes the loss. He is 0-2 for Cincinnati. He goes just an inning and two-thirds, allows one run on two hits, walks two, strikes out two. Trevor Rosenthal gets the save, his fourth. Rosenthal with a scoreless ninth inning, yet he walked three guys, so Rosenthal walked the tightrope, to say the least, with the bases loaded and one out, winning run at second, tying run at third, Christian Cologne grounds into a game-ending double play to give the Royals the 5-4 win. Scoring started in the top of the first inning on a Salvador Perez fielder's choice ground out. Perez then made it 2-0 with his fourth homer in the top of the third inning. Top four, Whit Merrifield, a sacrifice fly. In the top of the fifth inning, Ryan O'Hearn had a sacrifice fly. Top of the sixth inning, Perez with an RBI double, his sixth double of the year to make it 5-0 Kansas City. Bottom seven, three homers for the Reds. Started off with a Jesse Winker solo shot, his third, then a Freddie Galvis two-run blast, his third, and then the first homer of the year for Josh Van Meter to make it 5-4 in favor of Kansas City. Going over the box score for the Royals, it was the Salvador Perez show as he goes three for five with three RBI and two runs scored. Also worth noting, Hunter Dozier went 0 for 2, but he drew three walks in the game. For Cincinnati, Jesse Winker 2 for 3 with a run scored, an RBI, and a walk. Freddie Galvis 2 for 4 with two RBI and a run scored. We now take you to Philadelphia where the Orioles and the Phillies did battle. And Baltimore, despite what is a perceived lack of talent, they are still winning ball games early on in the year. 5-4 Orioles, first pitch home, rounded left side. Ruiz has got it, shovels off to second, and they got him! What a play, Rio Ruiz, ranging to his left in the back of the dirt. Off balance, he did a shovel toss on the ground that got scooped by Alberto, and Knapp is out at second. It's a web gem from Rio Ruiz, and he saves the Orioles a possible run and gets them out of the inning. Orioles with a nail-biting 5-4 win over the Phillies. O's are now 9-7. Phillies are 5-8. Sean Armstrong gets the win out of the bullpen. He is 2-0. He goes an inning and two-thirds in relief of Wade LeBlanc and does not give up a hit, does not give up a run. Zach Eflin takes the loss for Philly. He is 0-1. He allowed four runs on seven hits in six innings, one walk, struck out 10, 
Cole Sulser picks up his fourth save. He pitches a perfect ninth with two strikeouts. Phillies got the scoring started in the bottom of the second inning thanks to an Andrew Knapp RBI double. Orioles tied at top third on an Anthony Santander homer, his fourth. Then the Phillies retook the lead in the bottom of the third inning on a JT Real Muto RBI single and a DD Gregorius sacrifice fly. Game was tied in the top of the fourth inning as Chance Sisko singled home two runs. Orioles took the lead on a Rio Ruiz homer in the top of the fifth, 4-3 Baltimore at the time. Chance Sisko with his second homer of the year to make it 5-3 Baltimore in the top of the seventh inning. Andrew Knapp had an RBI single to make it 5-4 in the bottom of the eighth inning, but it was not enough for Philadelphia. Baltimore had 11 hits in the game, Phillies with 10. For the O's, Anthony Santander, 2-for-5 with an RBI and a run scored. Solid game for Dwight Smith as he goes 2-for-3 with a run scored. Chance Sisko, 2-for-4 with 3 RBI and a run scored. For the Phillies, Andrew McCutcheon, 2-for-4. Bryce Harper, 2-for-4 with a run scored. Andrew Knapp, 3-for-4 with 2 RBI. Didi Gregorius, 1-for-2 with an RBI, a run scored, and a walk. We head next to the Bronx for the Yankees and the Braves, a battle of two division contenders. At the alternative side, alternative side I don't even like to say that thing. High fly ball, <laughs> deep left center, Duval back, he's on the track, he's at the wall, see ya! Yankees double up Atlanta 6-3, they improved a 12-6 on the year, Braves are now 11-9. Jonathan Loisica gets the win, he is 2-0. Loisica pitched two scoreless innings in relief of Masahiro Tanaka, Three hits allowed, no walks, and three strikeouts. Tyler Matzik takes the loss out of the bullpen for Atlanta. He is 2-1. and one. He came on in relief of Huascar Yanoa after just one inning for Yanoa. Matzik allows two runs on three hits in two and a third, one walk and two strikeouts. Zach Britton picks up his seventh save as he goes two-thirds of an inning, one walk, no hits, and no strikeouts. Braves scored first with two runs in the top of the second inning on Johan Camargo's third homer of the year. Yankees tied the game on a pair of solo homers in the bottom of the second inning, the first from Clint Frazier and the second from Gary Sanchez. I should note that those two came in reverse order. Sanchez is first, Frazier's second. Yankees take a 4-2 lead bottom fourth on Aaron Hicks's RBI double and a Glaber Torres RBI single. Bottom five, Yankees extend the lead to 6-2 thanks to a DJ LeMahieu RBI single and a Luke Voigt RBI single. The lone other run in the game for the Braves came in the top of the ninth inning on Travis Darno's RBI single. Yankees with 12 hits in the ballgame, Braves with 11. For New York, DJ LeMahieu is red hot at the top of the lineup. He went 4-5 for five with an RBI and two runs scored. Luke Voigt 2-5 for five with an RBI. Aaron Hicks 1-3 for three with a run scored, an RBI, and two walks. Labor Torres, one for three with two walks and an RBI. Clint Frazier goes three for four in his season debut, one RBI and two runs scored. Aaron Judge out of the lineup for precautionary reasons, or maybe just for rest. I actually can't remember which one of the two. For the Braves, Dansby Swanson goes three for five. Nick Markakis, two for four. Johan Camargo, two for four with two RBI and a run scored. We stay in New York City for the Mets and the Nationals. Tansis is up in the Mets' bullpen. And that's in the air to deep left field right down the line. That ball is out of here. Pete Alonso with a two-run homer. And the Mets have put up a four spot in the sixth inning. Third home run of the year for Alonso, and the Mets now lead it 9-4. to four. Mets with a pair of big innings, a four-run bottom of the first inning, and a five-run bottom of the sixth 
as they pound the Nationals 11-6 at City Field. Yuris Familia gets his first win of the year. He is 1-0. Familia goes two scoreless innings out of the bullpen, one walk and four strikeouts, just one hit allowed. Anibal Sanchez takes the loss. He is 0-3. Five runs on six hits in two and two-thirds, two walks and two strikeouts. Mets are 8-11. Nationals are 6-8. Washington scores three in the top of the first inning on a Juan Soto three-run homer, his third bomb of the year. Then the Mets score four in the bottom of the first inning. Brandon Nimmo a solo shot, his third. Pete Alonso an RBI double. Dominic Smith an RBI double. And Andres Gimenez an RBI single. 4-3 Mets at that point. Wilson Ramos added on a run in the bottom of the third inning to make it 5-3 Mets with a single. Juan Soto hit his second homer of the game, his fourth of the year, to make it 5-4 in the top of the sixth inning. But the Mets came back in the bottom of the sixth and scored five. Michael Conforto, a two-RBI double. Pete Alonso, a two-run homer. And Dominic Smith, a solo homer. Third homer of the year, each for Alonso and Smith. Starlin Castro hit a home run for the Nationals in the top of the eighth inning. 10-5 Mets at the time. But then Dominic Smith had an RBI ground out. Kurt Suzuki hit his first homer of the year to make it 11-6 late. For New York, Brandon Nimmo goes 3-for-5 with two runs scored and an RBI. Michael Conforto, 2-for-3 with two RBI and three runs scored. He also drew a walk. Pete Alonzo, 3-for-4 with three RBI and three runs scored. Dominic Smith, 2-for-4 with three RBI and two runs scored. Big day for Juan Soto with two home runs. He goes 3-for-4 with four RBI and two runs scored. Starlin Castro, 2-for-4 with an RBI and a run scored. Trey Turner, Adam Eaton, and Kurt Suzuki with single hits and single runs scored for each of them. Giants were in Houston taking on the Astros. We'll take you there next. That ball's hit well. Deep to left field. All the way back, Dickerson. Gone! Home run! Three-run shot by Martin Maldonado. Astros now lead 5-1. The Machete hits his second home run of the series. Astros break a 1-1 tie in the bottom of the sixth inning thanks to a wild pitch from Caleb Berger and a Martin Maldonado three-run homer. Astros over San Francisco 5-1. Houston is 8-10. Giants are 8-12. Zach Greinke gets the win. He is 1-0. He allows one run on seven hits over six and a third innings, one walk and seven strikeouts. Caleb Berger takes the loss. He is 2-1. He allows four runs on four hits in two-thirds of an inning, no walks and no strikeouts. No save in the ballgame. The Giants, by the way, used seven different pitchers in this ballgame as they used Trevor Cahill as an opener. And by the time Caleb Berger came in, he was the fourth pitcher of the ballgame for San Francisco. Giants took a 1-0 lead in the top of the first inning on an Alex Dickerson RBI single. Tied it up to the Astros in the bottom of the fifth on Alex Bregman's RBI single. And then we told you about the four-run bottom of the sixth inning. Houston had five runs on nine hits. Giants one run on seven hits. For the Astros, Alex Bregman went two for three. He was the only Astro with multiple hits. Martin Maldonado goes one for four with three RBI all coming on his homer. Uli Gurriel was the only member of the Astros lineup that did not have a base hit. For the Giants, Mike Yastrzemski goes three for four with a run scored. He was the only Giant with multiple hits. Donovan Solano was not in the lineup, the Giants' leading hitter for San Francisco. Next stop, Milwaukee, where the Twins, they got angry, and they pounded the Milwaukee Brewers. A long blast to left field. Huh. Walking the slide. I have no idea where that landed.
When the Twins' offense is rolling, it is hard to stop. Minnesota crushes Milwaukee 12-2. Twins are 12-7. Brewers are 7-9. Kenta Maeda is 3-0 as a member of the Twins. He allows two runs on five hits in six and two-thirds innings, one walk and five strikeouts. Rough night for Eric Lauer. He is 0-2. The Brewers starter allowed seven runs on nine hits in three and two-thirds innings, two walks and two strikeouts. Minnesota scored five in the top of the second inning, and they scored runs in five consecutive innings from there on out. Jake Cave with an RBI double, Luis Arias with an RBI single, Jorge Polanco with an RBI single, Nelson Cruz with an RBI single, and then a wild pitch from Lauer that scored Jorge Polanco. Top third, Miguel Sano hit his fourth homer of the year to make it 6-0. Then top four, Marwin Gonzalez with an RBI double, 7-0 Twins at that point. Four runs in the top of the fifth inning, thanks to Byron Buxton's solo homer, his fourth. Then bases loaded walks from Nelson Cruz and Eddie Rosario, and then a Marwin Gonzalez sacrifice fly. Buxton hits his second homer of the game and his fifth of the year in the top of the sixth inning, and the only runs that the Brewers scored came in the bottom of the sixth on Luis Urias' two-RBI single. Twins had 15 hits in this ball game. Mitch Garver goes three for six with two runs scored. Nelson Cruz one for three with two RBI and a walk. Marwin Gonzalez two for four with two RBI. Byron Buxton three for five with two homers, two runs scored and two RBI. Luis Arias two for four with an RBI, two runs scored and a walk. Also worth noting that everybody in the Twins starting lineup had at least one hit. For Milwaukee, Luis Urias came in as a defensive replacement. He goes two for two with two RBI. Justin Smoke goes two for four. They were the only Brewers with multiple hits. To Boston now for the Rays and the Red Sox. And this one he lifts into deep right. That baby is gone. Home run over the bullpen on the first pitch. Yoshi Satsugo. It's his second home run of the year for the Rays tonight. Their third in as many innings, and they lead 6-0. Tampa scores at least one run in each of the first four innings. They jump out to an 8-0 lead and hold on to win by a 9-5 score. Rays are 11-8. Red Sox are 6-12. Blake Snell gets his first win. He is 1-0. He allows no runs on four hits in five innings, no walks and six strikeouts. Zach Godley takes the loss for Boston. He allows eight runs on ten hits in three innings. He allowed three homers. He is 0-2. Worth noting that Ryan Weber went to the bullpen and allowed one run in six innings of relief for Boston. Tampa got their first run in the top of the first inning. Joey Wendell with an RBI ground out. Then three runs for Tampa in the top of the second. Willie Adamas with a solo homer, his first. And Brandon Lau with a two-run homer, his fourth. Yoshi Satsugo hit his second homer, a two-run shot in the top of the third, to make it 6-0 Tampa Bay. Then the Rays added two more on in the top of the fourth inning, thanks to a Yandy Diaz RBI single and a G-Man Choi double play grounder. No RBI, but a run did score. Red Sox scored all five of their runs in the bottom of the eighth inning, in large part due to a J.D. Martinez grand slam, his second homer of the year. Rays got one back in the top of the ninth inning on Austin Meadows' first homer of the season. Rays had 15 hits. Red Sox had 12. For Tampa Bay, the top of the lineup was lethal. The top third went to combined 8 for 14 
Austin Meadows, two for four with three runs scored. Brandon Lau, three for five with two RBI and three runs scored. Yandy Diaz, three for five with an RBI. Also worth noting, Kevin Kiermeyer, who batted eighth, went three for four. For Boston, Kevin Pillar goes four for five with a run scored. J.D. Martinez, one for four with his grand slam. Everybody but Rafael Devers and Christian Vasquez had at least one hit amongst the Boston starters. We go now to Texas for the Rangers and the Mariners. And he hits this one high in the air. Right field, will it be deep enough? Andrews tagging. Smith makes the catch. Andrews headed to the plate. Here comes the throw. It comes through. Andrews scores, and we're tied at four. The sack fly by two has squared the ball game in the eighth. Your mind a little bit as you're staring out at that base runner and cause you to make that kind of mistake. Hard ground ball. That one's through for a base hit. One run is in. Here comes Kiner Falefa. He scores. A two-run double by Calhoun, and the Rangers have opened it up in the eighth inning. Mariners had a 4-0 lead going into the bottom of the sixth inning, but Texas scored a run in the sixth, a run in the seventh to make it 4-2 Seattle, and then blew the doors off the Mariners with a five-run eighth. Rangers win 7-4. Texas is 8-9. Mariners are 7-13. The winning pitcher for Texas, Jonathan Hernandez, he is 3-0. Hernandez goes one scoreless inning, allows one hit, no walks, and one strikeout. The loser, Eric Swanson, he is 0-1. He allows five runs on three hits in two-thirds of an inning, no walks, and a strikeout. Rafael Montero with the save, his fourth, as he pitches a scoreless ninth inning. Worth noting that the Mariners wasted a great start from Taiwan Walker. He allows one unearned run in six innings, six hits allowed, one walk, and five strikeouts. Mariners score four in the top of the second inning thanks to an Austin Nola solo homer, a Daniel Vogelbach two-run homer, each their second on the year, and a Kyle Lewis sacrifice fly. Bottom six, Elvis Andrus reached on a throwing error by J.P. Crawford, allowing Derek Dietrich to score. Bottom of the seventh, Willie Calhoun with an RBI single, 4-2 Mariners still though at that point. Then the floodgates open in the bottom of the eighth inning. Jeff Mathis with an RBI single to make it 4-3 Seattle. Sinsu Chu with a sack fly to tie the game at four. Then a wild pitch by Mariners reliever Taylor Williams scores Todd Frazier. And then Willie Calhoun with a two-RBI single to make it 7-4 in favor of Texas. Rangers had 11 hits. Seattle had eight. For Texas, Sinsu Chu, two for three with an RBI, a run scored, and a walk. Willie Calhoun, two for five with three RBI. Derek Dietrich. Three for three with two runs scored. Seattle, J.P. Crawford, two for four. Austin Nola, two for five with an RBI and a run scored. Dan Vogelbach, one for three with two RBI on his two-run homer. Final game of the evening sends us to Los Angeles for the Padres and the Dodgers. Turner lifts it in the air to deep center field. Grisham on the move. He's at the wall. It's gone. Turner goes the other way with a three-run home run to crack it open. Six Dodger pitchers combined for a six-hit shutout as the Dodgers blank the Padres 6-0. L.A. is 12-7. Padres are 11-8. Winning pitcher Blake Trinan, he goes an inning and a third out of the Dodger bullpen. No hits, no walks, and three strikeouts. Zach Davies takes the loss for San Diego. He is 2-2. Davies allows two runs on four hits in seven innings two walks, and five strikeouts. It is worth noting, by the way, that Dodgers pitching had 14 strikeouts 
including eight in four and two-thirds innings from Tony Gonsolin, the starter. It was a scoreless ball game until the bottom of the fifth inning when the Dodgers scored a pair thanks to an Edwin Rios RBI single and an Austin Barnes RBI ground out. Bottom eight, Cody Bellinger hit a ground rule double and Justin Turner with a three-run homer to make it six to nothing, second homer of the year for Turner. For the Dodgers in the box score, they had eight hits. Turner had two of them as he goes two for four with three RBI. Edwin Rios goes two for three with an RBI. Chris Taylor, one for three with a run scored. Austin Barnes, one for two with an RBI and a run scored. For San Diego, only Trent Grisham had multiple hits as he goes two for four. That is it for August 12th, 2020. Now let's take a look at today's ball games. 83. Only one true day game, 110 Eastern Time in New York, the 6 and 8 Nationals at the 8 and 11 Mets. Austin Voth goes for Washington. He is 0 and 1 with an ERA of 1.8. David Peterson for New York, 2 and 1 with a 3.78 ERA. 405 Eastern in Philadelphia, the 9 and 7 Orioles at the 5 and 8 Phillies. Thomas Eshelman for Baltimore, no record at 3.68 ERA against Jake Arrieta for Philly, 1-1 one one with a 2-4-5. 4.30 Eastern time in Boston, 11-8 Rays at the 6-12 Red Sox. Tyler Glasnow for Tampa, 0-1 with a 5-5-6 ERA. Kyle Hart makes his season debut for Boston. 5-10 Central time, check that, Eastern time in Cincinnati, 3-13 Pirates at the 8-10 Reds. Trevor Williams for Pittsburgh, 0-3 with a 3-5-2 ERA. Anthony DiSclefani for Cincinnati, 1-0. He is not allowed a run yet this year. Brewers at 7-9 are at the Cubs, 12-3 at 6-15 Central Time. Brett Anderson starts for Milwaukee, 0-1 with a 5-4 ERA. You Darvish for Chicago, 2-1 with a 2-12 ERA. 9.40 Eastern, 6.40 Pacific Time. Padres at the Dodgers, San Diego 11-8, L.A. 12-7. Chris Paddock for the Padres, 2-1 with a 3-1-8. Julio Urias for the Dodgers, 1-0 with a 2-4 ERA. And that's it. The Cardinals and the Tigers were supposed to have a doubleheader to help make up the other doubleheader that they weren't able to play because of COVID with the Cardinals last week, but that's already been canceled who knows whether or not the Cardinals are going to be back in play this weekend. I will tell you, though, that Friday will be interesting because the Orioles and the Nationals are going to be playing one and a half games because they're going to complete a game that was rained out last Friday and they're going to have another game of their own. I'm not actually sure whether or not that full game is going to be seven innings or nine innings. I guess we'll just have to see. On that note... That's it for this edition of MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. Have an awesome day, everybody, and as always, we will catch you in the AM.